Welcome back to the Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, back for another great episode. I do want to take a second to thank everyone. Uh, this past few weeks, I've been kind of really sick, dealing with a lot of sore throat, something viral, and definitely been struggling to put out content and post and stay up with it. So I do definitely appreciate people not unfollowing and all that stuff and keeping with me and supporting me and listening to other episodes while I haven't posted stuff. I do appreciate that and sharing that. That stuff is fucking awesome to see. And I do want to announce that I have reached over a thousand downloads, so thank you to every single guest that I have, every single listener, whether it's been one minute or a whole episode. That matters. Like, that stuff does matter to me, and it's huge. Like, I never thought when I first started this podcast that I'd ever reach 1,000 downloads, and I did, with less than 10 episodes plus an introduction, so 10 total, I guess, but... That leads into this episode, which is my 10th episode, so I'm in double digits for episodes. I never even thought that I could even do something like this or put myself out there, and it's fucking, it's crazy, and I, I definitely appreciate everyone that continues to support it. So today I'm with a very special guest, uh, goes by the name of Alex Medeiros, so I'll just bring him in. How you doing, Alex? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here. Appreciate you taking the time and inviting me to your home to do this. So uh, we'll just take a chance to kind of introduce yourself and what you've been up to, and then we'll kind of flow into our discussion from there. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm 23. I'm married. I have one kid who's here. He's two. His name's Noah. And then I have one cooking. His name's Jonah. <laughs> like He'll be here on May 21st, which is interesting because he could be born on my birthday, which is May 17th. Uh, that'll be fun if it does. Um, and right now I work for my father. I'm the vice president of Dent Pros. I go to different dealerships and I fix the dents that they have in their cars so they can sell them to everybody and they don't have dents in their cars. That's fucking awesome. I know you've definitely done some work for me. I mean, we won't say why I had dents in my car, but <laughs> it was definitely well uh, appreciated and it was definitely a very good job. So I definitely you, would recommend you. you to other people who have dents in their car. So let's just transition into our first topic and talk about you just growing up and how that kind of impacted you and then we'll transition from there. Yeah, awesome. So kind of starts with how my parents met. Uh, my mom was 18. My dad was around 23, 24. And my mom was living on the third floor of a house where on the first floor, there was a lady selling crack and my dad was an addict and he was there. They met and um, they had sex a couple times. Then she was pregnant um, and they kind of split up right after they had sex. And she went to North Carolina to live with her sister. And when she got there, she found out she was pregnant. So she came back. Now, my dad's an immigrant. He came from the Azores around 11. He was washing cars and selling weed, um, not making much money. You know, back then, minimum wage was like five bucks an hour, seven bucks an hour, if that. And he was selling dirt weed, so I don't know how much you can make doing that. <laughs> uh, and he got a girl pregnant, so he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go to school, do something. And somebody offered him a job doing what we do now, paintless dent removal. And he went out to Missouri went out there and when he came back he worked for the company Dent Wizard for two or three years and in a courageous move uh, went out on his own against all the contracts he signed he got sued um, and eventually he became the number one company in Rhode Island Dent Wizard doesn't do dents in Rhode Island anymore because of that and my mom kind of went and did her different like she was a waitress she was a secretary 
And she was just a young kid partying. So my dad kind of, after, when I was about five, he got married to my stepmom, who obviously I butted heads with a lot because my mom was kind of in the picture still. And I was like, you're not my mom. I think uh, anybody who has a stepmom can understand that a little bit. Um, Yeah, so my mom and my dad, although they met in the same circumstance, they're very, very different people. My mom now is, is doing awesome. She is the GM over at... Uh, hydropunk in central falls and she's doing great things over there uh but it wasn't always like that up until recently um she wasn't in my life when i was in middle school and so i my dad had full custody of me for a while um but i did bounce back and forth after that i don't really know what my mom got into my mom says one thing my dad says another and kind of just left it at that i didn't really care to dig too much because it was very emotional for me as a kid Mm -hmm. um but i because of that I bounced around in first through third grade. I was in East Providence. And then in third grade, I moved in with my dad. And that was at Johnston. So I I was in a Johnston from third grade to eighth grade. I actually met my current wife, who's Roxanne, in seventh grade. And, you know, I was a little bit of a player in middle school. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what, what, what trouble can you really get into in middle school? I just had a lot of girls' numbers and thought I was cool by texting them. So one day in science class, I was talking to this girl and I talked to her all the time. She was at my table. My science teacher got sick of it and he moved me. Well, he moved me to a table of other girls and I started talking to them. And I actually still in my phone have the number that my current wife gave me uh, in middle school in seventh grade, which is really funny. It was like a text plus app number. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so he moved me again. So I only talked to her for one day. I got her number. And then the next day I was in a different seat in the corner by myself. Um, but after middle school, I moved to Johnston mm-hmm. and I mean, sorry, I moved from Johnston to Seekonk and shout out Seekonk. <laughs> yeah, shout out Seekonk. So my first experience was Johnston isn't uh, a ghetto. It's not like a bunch of tough kids, but it's a little bit rougher than Seekonk, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So in Johnston, everybody fought and we would fight not because we didn't like each other, but Yeah, there was a little bit of that, but it was mostly like, who's the toughest dude? Who's the baddest dude, right? Um, I've had my fair share of wins and losses, and I came into Seekonk with that same attitude of like, I'm the baddest dude here. I'm coming from Johnson. I'm going to talk to all the girls. But the thing about Seekonk was, uh, I was talking to three or four different girls. uh, I won't name them. They're all in the same friend group because that's how Seekonk rolls. Everybody's kind of in the same friend group. And so one day it was like, boom, everybody just don't talk to that kid. You know, he's talking to me, he's talking to this girl. Um, That was interesting. And then as far as like the guy's side, uh, I met my friend Aaron um, and he's been a ride or die ever since. And I just kind of went into a classroom looking like, who who do I, who kind of like looks like me? Who's kind of like walking like me? Got the hat on backwards, you know what I mean? (laughs) Pants sagging, thinking they're a thug like I did. And Aaron, if you're listening, you you know, it's good. You you were that kid too. (laughs) Um. And he kind of introduced me to, to everybody else that I know that I'm a ride or die today. Um, that was like my high school experience, but yeah, lot, I mean, I was glad when you came to Seekonk. We I don't know if we we recruited you to play football, but I remember once we got you in that weight room, we're like, oh man, look at this kid! <laughs> like, and I'm glad because that built our relationship, and that's yeah. where I know you is just from the football field, and that's where a lot of good of my good relationships come from, and I'm glad we are still friends to this day. So, I mean, I think it's. I don't know if you were going to touch upon that, but I'm, I was definitely going to have to. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wanted to give like a brief overview of like my schooling and stuff. Um, There's definitely a lot more that happened, but for football, yeah, uh, freshman year. So I played football in seventh grade mm-hmm. and I was so bad, right? I didn't <laughs> play, I played baseball growing up, but not, nothing else. And I actually, there's uh, a kid named Joe who was, uh, he played football since he could walk basically. And he was on the, he was playing a defensive end and the coach put me as the uh, right tackle. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I do? (laughs) And he's like getting a three point stance. I'm like, what's that? And he shows me he's a super awesome dude, wicked nice. And I get into my three point stance, the ball gets hiked and I tackle him. (laughs) (laughs) And he just starts dying laughing and he's like, bro, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? It's football. <laughs> and so he's like, yo, coach, come over here. We got to teach him. And he was super nice about it. And he taught me. But uh, that year we went 0-12. We were awful. <laughs> I've had those. <laughs> and uh, it didn't, like, I liked football because, you know, people think you're a little bit cooler because you play football yeah. and you meet friends. And so I liked it. But it because of that experience, the next year I was, like, not really pushing for it. And then registration went by and it was like, all right, well, I'm not doing it this year. But when I went to Seekonk with football, uh, everybody was like, yeah, you should play, you should play. We, we need more people to play because there wasn't a ton of people playing football. Yeah. Uh, I think we only had like 16 people on our freshman team, freshman, right? Freshman year, I think we had a decent amount. It was the yeah? years after okay. where the number it's, – it's like weird because once after freshman year, no one wants to play JV. So those numbers, mm, yeah. sophomore to juniors, people fall off. So our freshman team – we're not, I don't want to like glory days and stuff, but like we were one of the best freshman teams to ever Dude, walk through Seekonk. Like, it took us a couple games to get it going. We lost one game and tied one game. That was it. Yep. And then from there, we just had like a couple of key plays. Yeah. And we would just run over people. It was we, fun. We had one of the best running backs. We'll yeah. keep his name off just for confidential stuff, but hands down one of the craziest kids I've ever seen play football. Yeah. Like that so man Especially was freshman year. Wow. Freshman year, there was, I think he only didn't score a game. Uh, he only didn't score two touchdowns in one game, and that was the one game we lost. Yeah. I remember that for a fact. So, yep. he was amazing. But Yeah, freshman year was definitely the highlight of my football career. <laughs> of course, I, le- I learned what it was like to hit somebody and put them on their ass, and it felt good. Yeah. Um, now, here's here's some insight. When you're a kid, you think, like, you're getting it past everybody. You think that all the things you do are, are not going to come to light. But I started uh, smoking weed in my freshman year, and you could tell the effects that it had on me made me super lazy. And the next year, I come back, and Coach Lockwood, who is awesome guy and always believed in me, always pushed me, came back, and he cussed me out. And he's like, I know what you're doing. Like, I'm not stupid. I've been here. I've been on this earth for a long time. He goes, cut it out, or you're going to go downhill. And part of that was right, you know? Um a lot of people have, have different views on it, and we don't have to get into it. But for that moment, that was right. I didn't take his advice, and it put me in a position where I was around a lot of people that I shouldn't have been who influenced me negatively and uh, took me down paths in life that I never thought I was going to be down. Um, I started hanging out uh, with this kid. Uh, we won't name him. He, he was my friend from, from East Providence, and... His mom actually started dating, sorry, my mom started dating his dad who was married. Um, So right there, there was some problems. Um, It would be very awkward hanging out in this guy's garage with my mom and him and his wife would come home from work and like say hi and smoke a cigarette with us. It was really weird. But he, uh, that guy was not a good guy as a kid. 
uh, stole a lot of things, sold a lot of illegal substances, um, went to jail for attempting to kill somebody. And the only reason he didn't kill somebody is because when he was cleaning his gun, uh, he shot himself by accident. And so uh, he went to the hospital. He actually got arrested at the hospital, did a few years, came back. Um, He cleaned up his life, though, for the most part. He's, He's a really good dude now, taught me a lot about life. One of the quotes that I can give you is, uh, there's the right, there's a right way to do the wrong thing. And and I learned a lot from that, even though it's not the best advice. No. Um, he still kept me from doing the wrong things in the wrong way. Cause there is a wrong way to do the wrong things. Um, but for this kid, for example, like I remember he was the type of dude who would say he would give you the shirt off his back. And sometimes he would mean it. But other times he was just a snake. And uh, there was one situation where he hopped in my truck and he had crack rocks and he just threw them in my dashboard. And it was just like subtle stuff like that of like not taking ownership of what you have. You know, why did he do that? At the time, it didn't really register with me. But I knew like, hey, if we get pulled over, I'm going down on that. Yeah. You know, if you're the driver. It's your, your responsibility, whether he wants to take it or not. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if he flips and say, no, that's not even mine. Like yeah. you don't even know what state of mind people are in too. Mm-hmm. And I had been in a situation exactly like that. My freshman year, this is after, but my freshman year, I wasn't driving. My friend was driving and he had given some product to another friend who had even owed him money. So the original reason that he gave him the product was to give, get all of his money back and he threw it in his dashboard. We got pulled over. And the the original dude who gave the product went down for it. And they were very close friends. And it was really that Judas-type moment. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think everybody kind of has that one Judas in their life. And hopefully you learn from that and keep the other ones out. But I've been in situations like that. And I've also sat at dinner tables with multimillionaires. And talked about investing in properties and so I've kind of had like both both sides of the table mm-hmm. and it gives me a perspective that I think a lot of people don't have yeah I think it's really great too I mean a lot of people who might listen to this they might see you as um, confrontational or negative they might just view you a negative way just based mm-hmm. on the way you talk sometimes and yeah. I think that's unfair like even if they see you post about something on social media, which is unfair to judge someone based off your views, even if you don't agree with them. Because we talked, we talked for fucking few hours before the podcast, yeah. and like, I think we both agreed the fact that I think it's great that we both have different views on things, and we don't agree on everything, but we respect one another to have a conversation and sit down and like, hey, that's what you feel. Like, I understand where you're coming from and why you feel that way. Like, yeah. we have experiences in our lives that push us one way or another. And make us believe certain things. And I'm not against listening to someone who has a different view like yourself. And the fact that you've been a constant supporter of my podcast was another reason why I needed to have you on this podcast. And Mm. like you have experience of being on both sides of the fence where you were troubled and you went through things that you wish you hadn't as a kid. But if you didn't, you wouldn't be who you are today. You have all that bad experience and the things that shaped you. And you went through those dark times to come out. And you're an amazing person now. Thank you. You are... You, I know you are very religious, and we'll get into that as yeah, we go on this podcast a little bit more. And it's crazy to see that that change in you. And a lot of people are like, what happened? And like, we don't have mm. to really get into it either. Like, it, feel comfortable if you want to, but we don't have to. I don't really want to dig too much into your personal <laughs> life like without 
with posting it on a public platform, but just that that whole transition is just it's from an outsider's perspective. I'm not really an outsider, I'm your friend, but like someone who looks at you is like he turned it around. Like he mm. definitely has a good life. You have a beautiful family, you have a nice place, you have a beautiful dog sitting right next to us. Like it's just it's it's good to see and it's a story that needs to be shared because like I know Rob and Brock and some other people have said on the podcast, you get inspiration from other people's stories. Mm. Whether people agree with you or not, you have a story that should be shared and you should be embraced. Like you you went through something traumatic and you've gone through things that are traumatic, but you're a better person for doing that. And I know in society today, I was watching something about Michael Vick and the people who are very negative about Michael mm. Vick and I'm not one side or the other because he okay. did some very cruel things to he animals. Did. And I just think we're a society that is – because he's very – he's gonna. they're trying to put him as a captain for the Pro Bowl. And people are very like, why, 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 why? And it's – society wants to give second chances. We're a nation of second chances. Mm. Like it's proven time and time again whether you agree or not. He has served time and whether – those acts are very cruel and you don't think he should be accepted. He served time and it is what it is, but that's just talking about the fact that we give second chances and the fact that Mm -hmm. you kind of have a second chance. Like you could have went down two paths and you caught yourself enough to reel back whether with support of other people or not. But I think that was really great. Yeah. Um, I, I should have been dead or in prison three times over. Um, I've, I'll talk about those instances because they're really interesting stories. I think people can learn a lot from them. But as you were saying, you know, I'm going to have a big head when you leave because of all the compliments. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But I was a very troubled kid. I was mad at the world, um, partially because I didn't have what most people don't have, a a loving home of... I did have a loving home at certain points in my life. But your mom and your dad being together, that's a, a huge thing in... And I think, I mean, I think I, well, sorry to cut you off too, but I know I'm very privileged for that. And I appreciate mm. my parents for yeah. being that way. Cause my dad hasn't always been like that too. Mm-hmm. With just ha- dating my mom and marrying her and all that stuff. I have a half brother and I don't consider him a half brother. So people, if he listens, you're not my half brother. You are <laughs> yeah. my brother. All love. All love obviously. But like just that perspective, like I, we have different views of life. Like the way he grew up is way different than I grew up. And yeah. that was something as a kid, I obviously saw and like it, I've had so many different perspectives in life just from that to like my youngest brother has autism, like seeing that perspective and seeing the way kids treat people in high school, like making fun of the kids who have special needs, which they do it because other kids do it. And whether something's going on in that person's life, maybe we don't know. And that's why they're lashing out on those kids, but it's unfair and it's, it's, it's wrong. And like, as a kid seeing that, I'm like, I was scared to say something and I, yeah. I wish I wasn't sometimes. And I wish I was that person who could have stood up and been like, guys fuck off like Mm. you don't know what's going on in that person's life why are you making fun of that person and Mm -hmm. i think we both can agree to that whether we want to admit that we were that person or not i was that person at times yeah and it's it's unfortunate too because like we're just for me just i have that experience in my life of someone if someone did to my brother i'd snap their fucking leg like Mm -hmm. i'd be furious like i've had instances where i've confronted people i'm like you know he has problem. Like you know yeah. it's been diagnosed. Like you know you can talk to him and like he's very mm-hmm. high functioning. So like he has a yeah, job yeah. and graduated I, from I high school. Have known. Yeah, he's very high functioning and he's an active member of society and can, can contribute. And just the conversations, you you eventually pick it up. Like maybe something's not right here, and maybe he is. There is something that needs to be diagnosed, mm-hmm. and there is obviously. But yeah, yeah, his classmates. I've had people who stick up for him and I've had people who are who don't and are assholes and like I get both sides. Like I've seen both sides. Like I've been in high school. I know what it's like and just that perspective 
is huge to have and just yeah. touching upon just parents and stuff but continue with what uh, you're saying i wouldn't want to get jared mad i'll just put that <laughs> out there um yeah i mean i kind of get into these these experiences that i was just talking about i know we could go a million different directions but i they just kind of came to mind and uh i know one of the each of them deeply because they're huge parts of my life and and one of them i kind of got to keep under wraps but i will explain yeah so the first time that it was a near-death experience not in the sense of like i saw god or, or whatever and that type of near-death experience but i i almost died so i had my first heartbreak right mm-hmm. i think everybody knows how that is Definitely. i was a freshman or sophomore one of those i forget and my dad uh, at this point had built his business very well uh just killed all the competition and bu- built into a multi-million dollar business and he wanted to celebrate and take his family on a nice vacation. So we went to Atlantis in the Bahamas. And while we were there, I was depressed from this breakup. Um, as depressed as a 15-year-old kid can get, I guess. And, um, <laughs> I can very, very now. But. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, like, life just sucked. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want the relationship to end. and But it did from, you know, I, I wasn't a great dude back then. And... I went and I bought a bottle of Jack Daniels. It was $125 for the hotel services, you know, a $40 bottle. It was $125. And I uh, paid for it with my dad's credit card. <laughs> and they just brought it to my room. And I knew nothing about drinking. I might have drank like once with a friend before this. And the lady's like, this is this is for you? Like, you're the only <laughs> one here? I'm like, uh, yeah, I just, you know, like to have my, my evening Jack. <laughs> and... <laughs> So she was like, do you want a chaser? And in my head, I'm like, what's a chaser? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> and uh, I took a coffee mug, and I didn't know how to drink, so I just slapped the biggest shots I've ever taken in my life, full coffee mugs. And, um, you know, I, everyone's had this experience if they've maybe had an edible or just drinking, or you don't know when it's going to hit you, how hard it's going to hit you. I drank two-thirds of the bottle within 20 minutes. Whew. Um, and the last thing I remember was laying on the bed and, uh, I locked the door cause I was doing something private. <laughs> and, uh, so from what I've been told, my dad came in the room to check on me because he knew I was dealing with issues and they had all went out to go to the pool. Yeah. So they come back and my dad, my dad had to like grab something like his wallet or something. And I had the lock on the door so he could open the door to see me a little bit and he's like, oh, he's taking a nap on the bed. I'm not going to wake him up. I'll just let him sleep. I'll come back later. They came back later, and I was in a pool of my own puke on the floor. And so obviously, if I saw my child like that, I would freak out. I wouldn't know what to do. And he called the security guards, and they come running up to the hotel room. And they said, sorry, but uh, if we break this door down, we're going to have to pay for it, and we don't make much money, so we can't do that. Um, you know, we're in a different country here, there's different rules and they really were going to let me die over the door cause they didn't want to pay for it. My dad was like, I don't care. I'll pay for the damn door. They're like, we're not, we're not pushing this door down. Sorry. You're going to have to call the cops. And he's like, how long is that going to take? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, my kid's like dying on the floor here. I don't even know what's wrong with him. They didn't know I was drunk at the time. And I had hid the bottle in the laundry. So my dad, who is, a uh, a five foot ten, hundred and forty pound Portuguese knocked down these huge bulk. If you can picture a really nice hotel room, these doors are like three hundred pounds, 
And so he opened it and he just busted the whole door down. He says he has no idea how. Um, and I was, they got me to the hospital. Uh, that was a nice bill. Um, and in the hospital, being that blackout drunk, I got to see a side of me that I didn't even know existed. Um, and I'm in a hospital. I'm ripping IVs. I have vague memory of it. And this is mostly of what my dad told me. And spitting on them, trying to bite them. My dad showed me about a fist-sized mark where I had bit him and made him bleed. Um, and I just, it, it really showed me what I was capable of and how, how dark I could be. And it scared me. And uh, I just remember I woke up, I saw my dad. And because the last thing I had remembered at the time was going on the bed, laying down in the hotel room. And then I remember some things about the hospital. And while they were trying to get an IV in me and, and pump out my stomach, they had to put a, what is it, catter? Uh, I don't know what the word is, but yeah, I know, I know but what you're trying to they say. They put it where nothing should go. And they pump your stomach through it. And that that was like a dream to me. I didn't know it was actually happening. It felt like a dream. And it was like... I would be awake for a couple of seconds and then I would not know what happened and I'd wake up and it would be a different person trying to put a mask on me. And during that dream that it was real, but it, it felt like a dream to me, they felt like they were, they were putting their hands over my mouth with the medical mask mm-hmm. because I was trying to bite them and spit at them. So I would have done it too, but I couldn't breathe. And so because I couldn't breathe, I, I felt like people were trying to like kill me. I didn't know what was going on, so I would fight back harder because I thought people were trying to hurt me. It was a big mess, and I woke up, sobered up like instantly when you wake up and everything's done. I saw my dad, and I was like, what just happened? And he like explained to me a little bit, showed me his arm, and I just bawled, and then instantly had to pee. <laughs> so I got up. I could barely walk, and the doctors came in, and you could tell like disgust was just written all over their face and I was just crying and I was like I'm so sorry like my dad told me what I said to you guys and I I would never say that if I was in a right state of mind I I have no idea what that was and you know that should have changed my life and made me a better person but uh, I, I went on to you know obviously do a lot a lot of bad things in my life and it, I kind of just like it, it wasn't as real to me as it should have been, as it is now. Uh, the next instant was I was 17 and or 16, and I was in the process of getting my license. My dad, uh, after all the crap I put him through, all the trouble in school and stuff like I just talked about, he was actually uh, paying for my license and. You know, Labonte's isn't cheap. It was like 1500 bucks or something after all said and done. And here he is, you know, after I'm an a-hole my whole life, really. And he's paying for it. And he was always so great to me. And I started joyriding his car. F-150, you know, I was taking riding le- driving lessons, so I thought I knew how to drive. And I would take his F-150 out at 2 in the morning. And at 2 in the morning, all your boys are sleeping, all the girls are sleeping. You can't get a hold of anybody. So I would just smoke by myself in his car and drive around. And never got pulled over, you know, nobody expected anything. I would get back around 4 or 5 a.m., uh, go to sleep for a few hours and go to school. And nobody would know. Did that five or six times. And the last time I did it, I did it at 10 p.m. Because so I was like, I want to pick up some girls. And I want to pick up... Uh... So I, I can remember now who was in there, I won't say. But 
I went to, we drove around, we smoked. It was two girls and two of my boys and me. And I drop everybody off. And one of my boys lived less than a mile from my house, like right down the street. Um, and I turned onto Arcade Ave. If you're from Seekonk, you're very familiar. And when I turned onto Arcade Ave, I don't know exactly how, but I swerved a little bit and went right into a pole. Um, I know I was going less than 40 miles per hour, and I don't know how they do the calculations to say how fast I was going based on the damage of the vehicle. If I was smart, I would have fought it in court and won because it was ridiculous what they were saying, but I totaled the car, over $30,000 worth of damage to a $35,000 truck. When I had crashed, I split the telephone pole into three, and when I came to after being knocked out for a few seconds by the airbag, all I saw was a piece of wood a third of a telephone pole hanging by telephone wires swinging less than 10 feet in front of my face, right? Like 10 feet before that, it went right through my skull. I'd been instantly dead. Um, and the cops, so ironically, I, when I took the keys, for some weird reason, my stepmom's BMW keys were on the same hook. So they had no car to get to me. But so my dad walked over there. This is This is really when things went downhill for me because I called my dad and here's my dad who's forgiven me for all the stuff I've done. And he's just kind of had it with me. And I called him and it was the deepest sadness I ever, I ever felt because he said, you know, Alex, you really fucked up this time. And I felt it, you know, it wasn't just like dad was mad at me. Like he was truly disappointed in the person who I had become and the things that I did. Um, and instead of, trying to be sympathetic to that I took it as oh my dad just doesn't like me so I'm not gonna like him and I was worse towards him to the point where I didn't listen to him didn't care what he said he had put me on like lockdown after that he was like you come home after school you don't talk to anybody you don't get in trouble at school you don't do anything you just come home and stay in your room because I don't want to deal with you and I said screw you I do what I want as an ignorant arrogant teenager and I packed up all my stuff and said, I'm moving to my mom. Screw you. So he was like, all right, well, I'm kicking you out. Like, don't come back. Like, don't go to your mom's. And then next week, think everything's fine. And just come back. Uh, I moved to North Carolina after that because my mom had already planned on it. It was the first time that I actually like, got to move in with my mom because she didn't really have custody over me. Mm-hmm. So I was excited. Um, and I lived in a house, uh, a two-bedroom house that was converted into a four-bedroom house. Uh, with 10 people and like if I had a bologna sandwich for lunch I was lucky um or some ramen noodles you know and I I would even like taking an extra pack of ramen noodles was almost like stealing you know eating another pack was almost like stealing in that house because of how much how little we had there was one person working in the entire house nobody else could get a job or wanted to get a job that taught me a lot about life um, and then this, this third experience, we can transition to something else. Yeah, we can start transitioning to, um, I guess, how you started getting into the religion that you are in and how you yeah. started like changing your life. Because obviously we talked about some pretty heavy stuff and stuff that you're not proud that you did and things mm-hmm. that you said that weren't great. And like, 
and I don't want people to, to hear that stuff and be like, wow, this kid's a shit ass person. Mm. Like, cause that's, that is not you. Like, yeah. and it was, it will obviously it was like <laughs> yeah, you weren't not, not who I am today. Yeah, right. clearly. And then you're a very religious man. You're very hard on your principles and you are a very loving person too. And Thank like, you. you've definitely made a change. Like I'm, I'll be the first to say that you were a shit ass person when you started out and you, when you came to Seekonk high school, you could tell you were like one of those kids like, if you fuck with that kid, he'll fuck you up. Like, mm-hmm. you weren't in, like, the best state of mind. And, yeah. like, I don't want to, like, come at you. I'm not trying to come yeah, at you. Because, nah, like, good, I do love you as a person. Because you've never bro. done anything wrong to me. And I like to talk to, talk about people that way. As long as you don't do wrong to me, mm. I'll always have love for you. Even yeah. if we disagree on things. And the things that you might have said, maybe I don't agree, maybe mm. I don't agree with. And the things you've done, maybe I don't agree with. But yeah. I'm not going to hold that against you. If you made the strides to be a better person. Yeah. And that's too just what we like. I want to portray in the podcast because I know people are going to hear things that we say and be like, wow, that's some heavy fucking shit. Yeah. And it's, it's not who you are. Mm. And I see that. I know you as a person. So kind of touch upon. We can just make the transition now. Touch yeah. upon how you got into the religion that you are. Cause obviously, you weren't a very religious person beforehand. And how that kind of changed who you are as a person. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's actually... I didn't plan it this way, but it perfectly lines up with what I was just saying. Mm-hmm. When I had moved to North Carolina, it really taught me about like, you know... Very when, religious down south, too. Yes, and actually turned me off down there because mm-hmm. there was these things that I didn't know. Like, up here, there's not very many street preachers. I know yeah. a few. Yeah. But... Down there, everybody was on the corner. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, uh, I didn't understand it at the time. And I, I don't know what the motives behind those people were. And But it definitely turned me off seeing them. But uh, when I was down there, it taught me about how to live poorly. You know, I didn't have a lot of stuff. And I had come from where my dad, you know, had this $600,000 house in Seekonk. I had, you know, we're shopping at Whole Foods. The whole, like, American dream. And... You know, some people put other people down for having a life like that. Definitely do. I didn't get that life until high school, just to be real. Because mm-hmm. um, my dad was an immigrant from the Azores, already said that. And he didn't have it until then. And But a lot of people like to put other people down for having that privilege. And the way I look at it is like, that's what I want for my children. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I don't want to just give them everything, but no. I want to build a life, a foundation that I can hand off to my children at the end of my life. That. That is a good thing to do. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. No, it's definitely a good goal to have. Yeah, absolutely. But when I'm down there, I learned what it was like. I I filled out, I dropped out of high school down there and I filled out 150 applications and I got zero callbacks. And I'm not exaggerating. Sure, it wasn't 150 different uh, companies, companies, but it was a lot of fast food joints. They had... uh, Whatever's (laughs) open you're applying for. Yeah, yep. I even, I had... A teacher, like a teacher's aide at the school, say, "Hey, I know you're thinking about dropping out. You need to get a job." I'm like, "I'm trying." Like, and uh, she was like, "Well, I, I, my husband owns this farm, and he gives uh, like ten. He gives. She didn't say troubled kids, but that's what she meant. I don't know what she said. Jobs there to help them out in the summertime. And I was like, "Well, I don't got till the summertime. Like, I need to eat. <laughs> like, I don't even have food every day. You know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. Um, so. That didn't really work out. And look, if you went to Seekonk High School or any high school around in the New England area, I don't know how far, but uh, marijuana is very popular. And the people who would sell something illegal, would it would be weed. 
right? That's what people would, yeah. would, and you don't make crazy money as a high schooler selling drugs. At least most people don't. Not in the area that we're, we're a part of. It was a pretty yeah. um, safe area for the mm-hmm. most part. So maybe a couple hundred bucks a week and you yeah. think you're a baller because you're in high school. Yeah, kids flex for no reason. Yeah, buying new shirts and you ain't got no bills and all that stuff. In North Carolina, I was like, all right, I don't got a job. Let me sell some weed. So I started asking people. And this is not like, I don't think this is a racist thing to say. Maybe you could perceive it like that, but it, it was only the black kids. You know what I mean? So, uh, and they were the only ones selling weed and they were selling dirt weed. I came from where the weed was good. So that stuff uh, wasn't working for me. I knew not that there wasn't any money in it. What they did sell down there was uh, pills. Yeah. They, were, they were heavy into pills and moonshine. So the kid who was running the school, who had all the illegal money, blood money, was the dude running the moonshine. Uh, and, you know, you might hear me talk a lot about drugs and stuff, but that is really a big part of my life. It Every, changed you. Like, and yeah. The things that you went through involved that. And people who do come from troubled situations, a lot of the time, do come from drugs. And I, I'm not saying that you're, you're yeah. poor, but poverty. Drugs and poverty yeah. are a big mm-hmm. problem, and especially in the society that we live in, where yeah. we look down at people for coming from those situations. And we blame them for being in that situation when it's not their choice half the time. Like that's what they're born into. And some people do make the choice and go down the wrong path, but like we can't just hammer away people for making wrong choices. And the way our country is kind of set up, it just, it hammers those people away and locks them away and we don't rehabilitate anybody. Mm -hmm. And by sharing these stories, we're trying to make people aware that this stuff happens. Like this is real fucking life. This is real life that happened to you. Like, and we're not sugarcoating a lot of this. Like, this is raw content. Like, I'm hitting. We're not. I don't really edit my stuff. Like, this is what it is. Like, this is who you are. And you've gone through these experiences. And you are a better por- person for it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, now I'm in North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting a case. Because I just crashed an F-150. The cops knew. Like, I got arrested that night. And what's crazy is I didn't think it was, like, that big of a deal. They hit me with four felonies. Mm-hmm. Reckless driving is a felony. I didn't know that, but the, it was driving without a license. That's a felony. Um, it was it was like four felonies, and my dad had a very very tough choice to make, and his insurance would have paid for the full thing if he said that I stole the car, which I did. But that's a much more serious felony. Hmm. I could have went to jail for that. Um, so here's a thirty thousand dollar bill that my dad's gonna either eat to keep me out of jail. Or he's going to say that I stole it. Maybe I go to jail. Maybe I don't. Who knows? First offense of anything like that. But then he gets the 30 grand. Um, And all the while, he's paying for my flights to come back up here to fight this case. And actually, you know who was the officer who came to the courthouse? Who? Kandarian. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was interesting. And you could see like his whole demeanor was like, I'm so sorry I have to do this, but I'm doing my job here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He he really felt for me. He he, he was a great dude. So I'm fighting this case. And to my surprise, my dad says, no, I let him use the car. And he he could have been legally liable for what I did. Especially after everything. He could have just not not let calmest terms it could have ended your life right there it could have set you down the Mm -hmm. wrong path completely and give you no chance yep and he didn't he gave me a second chance basically and i that really like changed my heart to be like wow like after all i did to this guy 
he's got my back. You know what I mean? And it, it, it meant a lot to me. So we fight the case. Thankfully, the insurance company actually paid for it. I don't know if there was a loophole or what, but he, he went to go sue the insurance company to fight them. I don't know how that works, but he won. And, you know, of course, he had to pay money for a lawyer and stuff, but he got the 30 grand, you know. Um, so I moved back up here, and this is that third experience that I can't really shed too much light on, but... Yeah, if you don't want it, we are kind of getting close okay. where I want to transition to to cool. where you are now. I so. did something really bad to try to impress people that I shouldn't have been around mm-hmm. in the first place. And the only person not to get caught for that was me. And I was never even in the conversation to the point where the other people thought I snitched on them because I was never brought up. So a lot of threats in my life, a lot of threats of just coming to my house and, and doing things to my family. It was crazy. But after this, I came, went back to school in Seekonk as a junior. Everybody else was a senior. That right there sucks. Mm. You know, um, you just feel out of place. It's like, and a lot of my friends were older, so they were already out of school. So I'm here and I'm like trying to pick up girls like and like mess around with my boys. I'm like, what am, what am I doing? Like, I just don't fit in here. So I dropped out. And my dad was like, look, like you can't live here and just do nothing. So you either come to work for me or you're going to have to find a new place to live. So I was like, all right, I don't really have a choice then, do I? I'm not going to go get another job anywhere. I'm a dropout, high school dropout. So I started working for him, and and when I turned 18, I was making like 300 bucks under the table a week. Not much, but mm-hmm. when you first start making that money, you feel you feel yeah. good. So I moved into a friend's house, and I was living there. I was renting a room from him for 400 bucks a month. And when I was in North Carolina, all of my older friends started dabbling with harder drugs. Mm-hmm. But because I was the youngin, they wanted to protect me in a sense, and they hid it from me. And because of my past experiences with my dad, knowing about his drug history and my mom and everybody, I knew not to touch the hard stuff. So I've never put anything up my nose or stuck anything in my arm. But one thing that I thought was harmless was psychedelics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is really uh, the turning point in my life because my friends were getting high and staying up all night. And I was getting drunk and smoking and going to sleep. <laughs> so I wanted to stay up. So I started doing psychedelics, which are uppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, acid is an upper. That's really what I did. I did shrooms once. I didn't like it. And I loved acid. And while I was doing acid, I did it about 10 times. And uh, every experience for me was amazing. And it honestly made me feel like I knew more about life by doing it. And so one night, it wasn't easy to get. I didn't know many people. Who, who had it. So one night, I hit up a friend who really had everything. He was getting it on the Silk Road online. It was pretty crazy. And he was he was like, I don't have any, but my boy does. And so I met this kid. Yeah, it's a plaza across from Valero. We met there. He was in a beat-up white Civic. And it was the sketchiest thing in the world. Um, and that night... I had, to keep it short, because it's a very long story. Yeah, we definitely should. I had an experience of what I believed was God showing me the evil things I've done in my life and the trajectory I was on and all the things I wanted. So in that experience, I saw me as a man who, you know, I had the muscles and the money and the girls 
and I saw it and I was like, that's just not happiness because of the way I was doing things, the things I was chasing. And I, I just saw an image of myself that I despised. But at the same time, it's the image I was chasing my entire life. And I kind of had uh, like a eureka moment where I realized like every single goal I had in my life that I adapted from people I shouldn't have even been around, from songs I shouldn't have even been listening to, just everything, movies that portrayed this life that I wanted that I would just chase after of money and, and drugs and, and girls. Uh, it just, it was all a lie. It wasn't what you wanted. Yeah, it wasn't what I wanted. And uh, I had, when I moved out, so my dad bought me a Bible when I was 10. And it had my name on it. And I thought, like, man, this is cool. You know, I was a little kid with a Bible. And it was in my closet in a shoebox because I had, I was moving out of my room. And I, I, you know, you throw stuff away and you bring what you need. And I was like, this is a Bible. I'm not going to read this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, every, this is what I thought. Everybody needs a Bible. <laughs> so I threw it in my shoebox and I threw it in the closet in my room at my friend's house. The night, so I, I was, I had my ride or die friends stayed and helped me. They were going to call an ambulance and, and my mom or something because they didn't know what the heck was going on. I was tripping. Thankfully, I came to before that moment had come. But they stood with me. But a few friends that I was there with who should have brought me home abandoned me. And I realized like, you got to be careful who you call your friend at the end of the day. Because Especially when you're around what you're talking about, too. A lot of those people aren't your friends, clearly. Yeah, exactly. So, keeping a long story short, while I was on that trip, I had an experience to where I knew I sinned against God, I broke His law, and He was mad at me. That's all I knew, and that I had to fix this relationship. There was something that needed to be done here. And so I stayed home for the next week from work. I didn't, you, you could ask my friends, I would go hang out at a friend's house. We would smoke, we would hang out, maybe have a couple of beers and I'd get up and leave. And they would just say, don't worry, man. It's just like, he just does that now. Like he's going through something. They didn't know what was going on, but I would just get in these moods where like, I can't be around anybody. I got to go home and think. And I would go home and I would open my Bible. And just like, I think most people can relate to this. I opened that thing and I looked and I was like, this makes no sense. Like, what am I reading here? Like, they talk weird. Like, I just don't understand. But uh, eventually I kept reading, kept reading. I started to understand what the gospel was, uh, that we sinned against God. And there's nothing, just like if you're a criminal, there's nothing you can do to make up for the crime, right? Mm -hmm. If I go murder somebody, there's nothing I can do now to say, oh, to the judge, like, I shouldn't be convicted of murder because maybe I'm a good person, right? Maybe I go and I, I, while I was in prison, I helped a bunch of people learn how to read and write who never knew how. That's a good thing, but it doesn't, you're not forgiven of your crime because you did that. Yeah. So I started to understand, like, I've broken God's law, the punishment is hell, and I can't do anything to not receive a just punishment. And what the Bible says is that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life according to God's law, and that when he died, the wrath that God has stored for sinners, whoever believes in him, that wrath was poured upon Jesus instead of me. And the forgiveness that I get is the righteousness that Jesus has that I don't deserve. I could never have in and of myself. And 
the only way to get it is to surrender to him, to have faith in him that he has taken care of those sins. And now I don't, I didn't get married to go to heaven. I didn't stop doing illegal things to get into heaven. I didn't curb my sin to get into heaven. But there's a verse in the Bible that says she has, she loves much because she has forgiven. She's been forgiven much. And I've been forgiven of some really awful things. And because of that forgiveness and the love God has shown me, now it is my job to go and love other people. Not for anything, not to become this person that gets to go into heaven because of my own righteousness, but because of the love that God has shown me. Yeah, it's good to see that religion has made you and helped you become a better person and mm. that's what we're talking about here yeah that's the point of a podcast is for my concepts is the positivity the mental health the motivation and i know i've said on my podcast that i'm a spiritual person i'm not a very religious person but i'm not against other people believing in things especially mm. when it makes you and makes you help build you into a better person if that makes you feel like you're a better person and you're more productive person in society and you could help others and i think Joe Rogan said this on his podcast was, even if you didn't believe in God or religion, if you acted like if there was a God, you'd probably be a better person. Hmm. Just in the things, what he means by that, I think is the morals. Like everyone has these certain morals that they believe is what is a good person. Like obviously you don't want to kill people. You don't want to sell drugs. You don't want to do all these things that are considered bad. You don't want to bring harm to other people. If you live life the way... I don't, I don't. It's hard, hard to pick a someone to. I guess we could say Jesus. Like I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not a religious person, mm-hmm. but someone like Jesus, where they lived their life the way God intended, yeah. as you just said. I'm not religious, like I said. But if we live our lives like that way, where we're trying to be the best possible person we can be, and putting out that good energy, and and that's something I can hold on to, and I can agree with you. Where as long as we're trying to be better people mm. and helping others and giving a voice to people who don't have a voice. We're doing something right. Yeah. And people might hear this podcast. They might listen to you and they might hear the few things in the beginning and get turned off. Mm-hmm. And I hope they don't because that's the best part about life is something might, bad might happen in the first half, but you could always turn it around. There's a, there's a chance to redeem yourself. And we live in a nation of second chances. If you're going to deny someone a second chance, that's not right because what if that was you? In that situation where you come from everything negative, everything's been negative around you your whole life, and then someone denies you the chance to have a better chance. Yeah. It's all circumstantial. If you're surrounded with things that are bad, it's very, very difficult to be positive. And I've been in dark places. I've been around situations where you're, I've lost a lot of family members. I've seen loved ones go down holes that I wish I never saw them go down. And to be around that, to be positive is one of the hardest things to do. And for you to lift yourself out of a situation, obviously it wasn't all just you. You've gone through an experience that changed your life. And people might be like, they might want to call bullshit on it. Go ahead. This is your experience. This is your story. No one can change it. Like this is what happened to you and you're sharing it to the world. And I don't want people to view it negatively. And there, there is positive in negative. There is good in bad. It's how you interpret it and get the lessons from the stories. Because no one person is a good person. There's no one in the world who has a clean slate. I bet if you dug up something on everybody, there's something that they wish that they didn't do or didn't say. Of course. It's, it's just a fact. 
and to deny the opportunity of growth to someone is not fair. And yeah. I will never be that person to say, you don't deserve the opportunity to be better. There's obviously things that people commit crimes that are horrendous and there's mm. things that are terrible. But we're obviously not talking about those things. There are things people do that – some things that can't be forgiven. And there are very cruel acts that happen in this world that sh like we wish shouldn't, that shouldn't happen. That's not right. But there's no reason sometimes for things. And I don't know. Maybe I do believe everything happens for a reason. But it's hard when certain things are so negative in the world to get that. But – not digging too much into like myself here, but it's just kind of like staying positive and seeing where you come from and having that experience and being more religious and talk about we're getting too close on time. I don't want to go too long and keep it straightforward because I know it's getting close to the time where it's up for you as well. So uh, talk a little bit about how religion helped you with your marriage and your relationship mm -hmm. there and then touch a little bit about video games because I know you're very prominent and Fortnite has been a big, big factor in your life going forward and talk about that a little bit yeah awesome so you know part of being a christian uh is to believe the bible is god's word mm -hmm. you know not that it was god who wrote it but there are people who wrote it who were inspired by god to write it and this isn't uh, mm -hmm. a religious debate but i could always go more yeah, into yeah, that yeah in another platform or place hit me up on facebook <laughs> <laughs> um but if like i said here i am I believe that God has saved me not only from hell, but from hell on earth, from the life I was living. And here I am filled with love, all of this forgiveness, this newness of life. And I'm like, okay, what do I want to do here? And before, I would have never gotten married. I, would, I, I wanted to hit everything that was moving at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That was who I was. And part of it was I glorified hip-hop, right? And I'm still a huge hip-hop fan. But the music that's what it, it glorified women for their sex and that was pretty much all it was unless you were a mother everybody had the respect for their mother in the hip-hop community but unless it was your mom it was just a piece of ass mm -hmm. and that's what i believed and but you can't live in a world consistently like that so when i would fall for girls like my first real relationship where i was heartbroken um i, I got to see like all right so it's not just about that there is this thing called love so after reading the Bible and, and wanting to follow God, again, not to get into heaven, but because of what he had done for me, uh, part of his commandments is to not fornicate, to be monogamous, to find a woman, marry them, and enjoy them and them alone. Um, and it also says that two things, children are the fruit of the womb, they're, the bless they're a blessing to us, but also they're arrows in a quiver which is shortly to mean their weapons against the false ideology of the day, right? Uh, regardless of whether you think abortion is murder or not, we do live in a culture of death in many ways. Um, there are many people, you know, look at just the stuff with like Jeffrey Epstein and whatever you believe on that, there's one thing that you can't deny there are sinister groups of people working against the goodness of society at the end of the day. There are people who want to take innocent little children and defile them. Um, and that is part of the false ideology, the evil ideology that consume many people's minds. And in order to fight against that, that versus to have children and to bring them up in the goodness of life, to teach them 
the good values of life so that they can be that person who stands up for the kid getting picked on, who, you know, they can be that person of instead of stealing their dad's car and riding around, um, they can work their ass off and save up and buy their own car and drive it legally. And, you know, um, that's pretty much why I got married. And I, when I met my wife, she had the same idea. She was a Christian and she was like, this is what she says. She says that she was praying to God and she said, you know, I'm done with guys. You know, I've been messing around. I haven't been faithful to your word and to the way that you want me to live. So I'm going to be single and, and focus on myself. And then I came along. <laughs> and the only reason she gave me the time of day is because after I hit her up, she had looked at my Facebook and she saw that I was a Christian and she was like, all right, maybe I can give this guy a shot. And when we started talking about dating, it wasn't like, hey, we're just going to see where this thing goes. It's like, look, my art, both of our end goal was marriage. And if we weren't going to get married, if it, we were going to separate. And that almost happened because we would come across things like, what kind of church should we go to? Well, the church she was going to was a church that was a prosperity gospel church. Me and me and Jared talked about this a little bit before the podcast mm-hmm. of people who go out there and they say, you know, Jesus died to get you a Mercedes or to get you money and, and health and, and happiness. And that's just not the case, although there's nothing wrong with those things. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to bring my children up in that place, you know, and she was like, well, this is my place. And eventually we worked through that. But marriage is not easy. I've been in, I've put myself in circumstances where my wife had almost left me for bad decisions that I've made. Um, At the end of the day, you know, I think my whole life has been about second chances and forgiveness. Just because I'm a Christian and I claim to follow God and, and to try to be an upright person, to live an upright life, does not mean that I do that all the time. It's not easy and I don't claim to be anything other than a sinner forgiven by God trying to do the right thing. I think that's what we all are. We're trying to do the right thing in Mm. life. And it's definitely no one's perfect. No story in life is perfect. Everyone comes from somewhere, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Like if you can pull yourself out and be a positive light for someone, because I know you're a very positive figure in your church and in your community, especially from what I've heard from other people, you're a very positive light and you're very outspoken. And that's awesome. And if someone and if people are listening this long, I'm I'm so appreciative towards that too, and the fact that you can see the transition of where you started and where you are now, like like you've gone through this change in life, and that's that's what I like talking about to people. Yeah. It's like I've learned stuff about you that I never knew, and like obviously I've known you've gone through things in life that steered you in different directions, whether it was good or bad, like. But I knew, not recently, it was probably a few years ago when I encountered you at one of my old jobs at a grocery store. Mm. And like, we just talked about religion and things like that. And I was that, that was when I was in a place where I wasn't doing really well. And yeah. having that conversation to see, man, this, he, he really turned it around. Like, mm. And it's always good to see people like yourself where you see them in high school and things like that. And they're... I don't, I don't want to call you this, but you can call me wherever you want, man. <laughs> you were a punk, I and like you, I was. you came off as that way. And there's people like I was proud of it too. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that, and to see you are now, that's completely not who you are. And I love the fact that we both we've talked before this off the podcast, off the record, that we believe different things and we accept each other and love each other for what we believe. And I don't. Just like I don't like agree with everything you say, and you don't agree with everything I say, and I love yeah. that. Like, 
not everyone in this world is going to have the same ideology or beliefs. And these are hard conversations to have for a lot of people. A lot of people cannot sit down and do what we're doing right now. Yeah. And I'm thankful that, that you have given me this opportunity and that you're willing to come to my house and to sit in my home and talk about these things. It's awesome. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like just inviting me in and reaching mm. out and supporting me because obviously the things that you've done and you've said on the podcast that I, I wish that you never had done. And like yeah. it as a person who is positive and I'm not saying I'm perfect, far from fucking perfect. <laughs> I've done shit in my life that I wish I didn't do either. But like being your friend and like not knowing some of stuff, I'm just I'm like, I wish I could have been a, a better person in your life to try to help you get away from that. And I wish yeah. you weren't around some of the people you were around. And mm-hmm. it's unfortunate too, but I'm so, so, so glad that you are where you are in your life. And we are kind of getting closer towards the end of the podcast. So I do want to get you a chance. I mean, probably have probably like 10, 15 minutes of what yeah. I want to actually talk about. But okay. I have one question I want to end on, but I want you to just talk a little bit about just video games and Fortnite and how that yeah. impacts your life and helps you with your mental health and like makes you feel better and happier. And Because I know for me, video games has been a big part of my life. It mm. builds my... I've talked about another podcast where it helps my relationship with my brothers and it, it's fun. It's You've played your whole life? Yeah, I've loved yeah. video games. I used to love Madden. I played Madden my whole life. And mm-hmm. then I've gone into Fortnite and Call of Duty. And, yeah. But I've been really big in Fortnite and something that I really like. I mean, I know you talked about you haven't been playing it as much, but talk about how that's been something really big for you. No, it's okay. I know you've got, he's got, he has a back issue and he's just kind of a little tight right now. So, I mean, if you want to get up and stretch, it's totally fine. I'll just cool. hold, up, hold it for a little second. Yeah, I'm just holding here. Sorry, guys. So, quickly to talk on that. Uh, with baseball, I, I threw my back out pitching, man. All I wanted to ever do in baseball was be a pitcher. And my coach let me pitch seven innings, and I threw my back out. Still dealing with it to this day. Anyway, video games. Oh, man. I think every male in America our age has had a long relationship with video games. Definitely. <laughs> um, for me, it was just like I could escape, you know? Mm-hmm. When things weren't going my way at school, when I was getting suspended for fighting or, or cursing out teachers and... Or I just, you know, was dealing with my, I have a single mom, you know, as my mother, like her boyfriends weren't always the best people. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even want to hear their voices when I would come home. So I just throw a headset on and, and play video games. And from there, after my first breakup, one thing that really helped me was I'd come home from school and I'd play Call of Duty Black Ops the first one. Yeah, I like with the first all one. my boys. I we've we've probably played yeah, together. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I know we played Fortnite together. Yeah. So with Black Ops, I was so focused on it because after my breakup, like it was hard for me to do anything mm-hmm. without being depressed except play video games with my boys. And I got so good, like but I didn't understand the esports scene around it. It wasn't that big yet when we were growing yeah. up. It was there. Yeah. It was just yeah, not as big. So I didn't really pursue it like that, but I was the best out of my friends group. I would play online uh, MLG like game battles, which mm-hmm. is not really esports, and I didn't look of it as like esports. It was just something fun to do to like have a little bit of competition, and I would just kill people. And I'm like, man, I really wish there was an esports scene. Uh, there was, I just was confined. It I guess didn't look hard enough. Uh, fast forward, I actually got like really addicted to video games to the point where I couldn't stop playing. And I think everybody has a little bit of that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, holy crap, you know, I played from 3 p.m. when I got out of school until 2 a.m. Yeah, what the heck? Sometimes it can be, I don't want to, I definitely agree with you where it is mm-hmm. a real addiction, but I think for some people it could be an outlet to save them from yeah. doing other stuff, like bad I stuff agree. too. Yeah, I am yeah. totally pro video games for sure. <laughs> um, and then 
I would play also computer games like Counter Strike, mm-hmm. right? My cousin would get me into it because his father played, and my uncle. And um, you know, I would just we would get really good at these games, and it was more like, haha, I'm better than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's one v one. Let's and but then comes Twitch and Ninja mm-hmm. with Fortnite. He really broke that open. To oh, be honest, man. just playing with Juju and once. Not to say Drake made it cool, but like that was a big reason why Fortnite blew reason. up. Like that blew up Twitch, that blew up Ninja. Like mm-hmm. Ninja's getting sponsor deals and he's changing still the whole. Still doing big things. Still changing the whole game for esports, which is huge because mm-hmm. obviously parents growing up used to be like, get out the video games, go play outside. Now yeah. some of these kids are paying for their parents, like they're paying off their student loans, paying for the houses. Like this is a career for some people. Yeah. Not saying everyone can be a pro gamer. Like yeah. let's get that very clear. It's like being yeah. pro sports. Like yeah. it takes a hard, lot of if effort. Not yeah, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of dedication to get to mm-hmm. that point. So if you're serious about it, go after, pursue your dreams. Like yeah. who, who am I to stop you? Like fucking don't listen to me. But like understand that it is serious. It's a very yeah. competitive area, especially now. Everyone wants to do it. Yeah. So here, one thing about Ninja, this is all I have to say. Um, Red Bull, yeah. Mixer, big money there. Adidas, and yeah. now he has his own skin inside of Fortnite, the first yeah. person. So I'm just going to put that there. Um, here's my experience trying to become a professional esports player. And I was quite close, and not to toot my own horn or anything, but in in the level of playing, you could have put me like, all right, what's the farm leagues in football and baseball and stuff? I was at that level of the sport. Where I was like, the big leagues were right there. Yeah. Like, I, I could, if I grabbed the top rope and pulled myself up, I was there. Um, I had talked to like 20 different organizations offering me different kinds of, of sponsorships and salaries and just not enough because I have a family here. Mm-hmm. I can't go play video games for a grand a month. Yeah. You know, I just can't do that. 60 hours a week this is a, more than a full time job. But I sucked at first. Everybody laughed at me. Dude, you're horrible at this game. You're gonna you're gonna be at esports. I had in my Instagram bio World Cup 2019, right? <laughs> and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, World Cup." I got really really good because I just put my. I would wake up at, at three and four a.m. and play until eight a.m. Leave for work at eight thirty after having breakfast, whatever. And then I'd come home and hang out with the family. When they would go to bed, I would play for a couple hours. Wake up early, do the same thing. Not healthy. Don't suggest doing that. But I got really, really good at the game. I also built a following on Facebook and Instagram. A couple of million views, tens of thousands of followers. Um, But I realized, like, I thought I was there. And then I realized, like, wait, this is, like, this is not enough. Like, I I need to, like, 10x this. Like, I I need to really... I had connections with, uh, there's a guy on 100 Thieves. He had 1,000 Instagram followers at the time that I saw his Instagram. I think less than that. And he was really good, way better than me. And I had like 10,000 at the time, getting like a couple hundred thousand views. And I'm like, man, this kid needs some light. Like he's a beast. He signed to an org already. And I'd shouted him out. I only got him a couple hundred followers. But he hit me back. He's like, wow, man, like I don't even know you. You shout me out. Like this isn't even, like it's your personal page. You didn't have to do that. I'm like, yeah, man, like, I really like what you're doing. So he followed me back, and we started talking. Down the line, he was uh, he won second place in the World Cup duos That's with crazy. his boy. Yeah. So Elevate and Cease. Yeah, Check him out. Amazing people. Yeah. Uh, 100T Elevate on um, Instagram, or just Elevate. Now he's got like 200K views, uh, followers, and he's doing really big things. He's got over a million dollars in earnings um, just from tournaments, plus all the stuff That's that he's insane, getting. He's man. a beast. He's 18, 
You know what I mean? He bought his, bought his mom a brand new car. Like Love that. I love that type of shit. Like, yeah. Take care of people who took care of you when you were uneducated mm. and you were going through. Like, All of us have probably said shit to our parents that we wish we didn't say. Like, I'll definitely say that I have. I'm definitely not proud of everything. You're just an arrogant yeah. kid. I mean, we're immature. We didn't understand. So I love hearing stuff like that. People mm. taking care of their parents once they become more successful. Yeah, that's like the best stories. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. I always hear about football players and baseball players. They make pros. They buy their parents a house. They take them out of whatever situation they were in and put them better. Like when they're like, you never have to work a day in your life again. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I love that type of shit. Yeah. Like that positive stuff makes me so like proud of people and that that continues to happen. Like mm. I love the NFL draft is coming up and it's so many people's lives are going to change forever. And it's, it's a great thing. I mean, some things can be very horrific that happens in this like sports because it is a business. Yeah. But it saves a lot of people and it elevates a lot of people's lives, of which course. is definitely a great thing. Yeah, and the reason that I say I was like on the farm league, it's not that I was like on a team or anything, uh, but what I did have going for me was, so people on Twitch, you can do this now, and if you're aspiring to be a professional Fortnite player and you're actually good at the game, this is what you should do. So on Twitch, people do money wagers, mm-hmm. and it's little money. It's like 5 and $10. Yeah. So get 100 bucks, right? Save up 100 bucks. Anybody can do that. It's 10 bucks a week, you can do it. And go and face these people. And if you're good enough and beat them, not only will you get the 10 bucks back plus another 10, but you'll get the notoriety. So what I was doing is I was just there. So I, I, I 1v1, it's called, and there's different ways to do it. Uh, if you know Fortnite, you will know these names. IFA, he was uh, almost on TSM, which is a huge organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liquid Fiber, who's on Liquid. Liquid's a, an enorm- enormous organization. Um, and I, I 1v1 Elevate. And a couple of other pros, and I didn't beat them, but I gave them a run for their money. And people are like, oh, well, you didn't beat them, so what does that matter? But could you like imagine me coming on this mic and say I gave Tiger Woods a run for his money? Yeah, people would be like, holy I shit. I almost beat him. Yeah. yeah, and this is the level that we're playing at. And you know, some people understand that. I think a lot of people our age understand that. Yeah. But a, a lot of people kind of look down on it, so I just wanted to express that. But I, I was close, and I have done hundreds of things. Maybe maybe not hundreds. I would say at least a hundred though. Mm-hmm. Different businesses, uh, side hustles. Trying to be a rapper at one point. <laughs> I was not good. Don't look up Xander the Storyteller on SoundCloud. Just don't do you it. You just put yourself in a spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I got my wife pregnant again. I don't know how it happened. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and. I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, I'm putting in 20, 25 hours a week on top of my putting time in with my family and in my full-time job. I'm like, you know, I'm doing really well, but in order for me to compete, like if I want to be a professional, I got to start putting 40, 50, 60 hours in. Yeah. I'm like, one, I can't do that now. I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to put 25 hours in when I have a second kid. Like my wife's going to have to recover. I'm going to have to take a couple weeks off, like, and all these things. And some people may think like, oh, he quit on his dreams. And I understand that. And that's kind of what it felt like. I was like, man, I'm like so close. I can taste it. Like this is the closest I've ever gotten to doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it put me in a little bit of a funk, but I came out of it. And this year I became the vice president of Den Pros. And it's 2020. Our worst months are January and February. Makes sense. Because of the motivation I have now to do this, because I don't have any side hustle, I spent from... 16 now working to make money but 
only bare minimum. I was crappy at my job. I didn't like it. And I would just do side hustles. I'm like, I'm going to blow up here. I'm going to blow up here. I'm going to blow up here. Start something, fail. Start something else, fail. Start something else, fail. And it was a roller coaster. But I'm on route to have my biggest month production-wise ever in one of the worst months of our business. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm not like all of a sudden super passionate about fixing dents. I'm not all of a sudden, uh, I do have more passion for it, but it's, it's in, this might sound weird, but the money, right? It comes for supporting your family, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes. To build a legacy so big that I can hand off to my children, that I can give them. I think, sorry to cut you off again. No, you're good. I think everyone's kind of, I always like to think about it. If I ever have kids of my own is you want to give them a better childhood than you had. It's continually building on what you've had. And obviously if anyone listening to the story, here's it from, here's your story. It's like, well, no shit. He wants to give his kid a better life. Like he wants them to be better than what he was. Mm. You don't want your son to be like anything like what you were. You don't even want him to have that opportunity. You want to give them the best possible life. And that's the mindset someone needs to have if they're having children too. It's like, you want to lift them up. You want to give them a, a place where they can feel comfortable and continually to grow. So, like, I don't want to say you are giving up your dream. And there's, mm. like, there's always a chance to go back. Yeah. You had to make a decision, which a lot of people can't comprehend. You have to support your family. You had to come to a rational decision where either you're dedicating a lot of this stuff where you could possibly put everything on the line, like your marriage and everything, your kids' lives, mm. for something that might not work, which yeah. it's a risk. Obviously. And then what if it did work, but I lost my family because yeah. of it? And then what's the point? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely like that. And we are coming, kind of coming up. So I will have you kind of plug Dent Pros at the end of this. But for us to end, I always like to end with this question to my guest. What would your advice be to someone who is pursuing their passion? So this is a very tough question especially because each person's individual situation is so different, right? Um, Like the one I just explained about myself. There are differing thoughts and opinions on this subject, um, and I'm going to give both because Mm. I don't know which one is the right one. I don't know if there is a right one. There is the opinion of somebody who I admire, Grant Cardone, and and part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, And he says, you have to do at some point what you don't like. And I was talking to Jared before, and even when you're passionate about something, there's going to be days where you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Whatever the reason might be. So even if you're passionate about it, you're going to have those days. But he says, we all have a gift and it's behind what we hate. At our everyday job, if we were to focus more, if we were to to push the pedal to the metal and, and grind it out and really put 100% into it, we could find that there's probably a gift behind there waiting for us. And that's been the theme of my life where I've taken all the opportunity that I've had at my fingertips for granted. And then years later, be like, oh, I'm so stupid. Look what what I have. Like, this is amazing. And I've done that with Dent Pros now to where all these years, I'm like, pridefully, I want my own business. Mm-hmm. I want I want my own career. I want to do, I want to be able to say I did this. And after looking at all the work that I put into Den Pros, I'm like, there's nobody that's going to tell me my daddy gave me this. And that was like one of my fears, right? 
And so as far as passion goes, I'm passionate about life in general, but now my passion is building a legacy, building a company, not just because I can have a lot of money or notoriety, but because I'm helping people with the service that I provide. I'm helping people feel better about what they drive. Um, I'm helping dealers to make money to provide for their families. And I've become passionate about that. On the other hand, there are people like Gary Vaynerchuk who say, okay, what is it that you want? Do you want happiness or do you want money? If you want money, mazel tov. (laughs) If you want happiness, why are you spending a hundred grand to go into debt to become a civil engineer when you don't want to be a civil engineer? Why don't you go get a room with eight other people with cockroaches in the house, pay a hundred bucks a month in rent and eat ramen noodles while you try to become a rapper while everybody's hating on you, calling you a loser? Go for it. At the end of the day, what do you want? Are you, if you're single, right? Because if you're married and like, it's I mean, circumstantial. I guess, yeah, because like if you want to put your marriage on the line, I'm not going to judge you, but that's going to be like, are you okay with that? You know what I mean? Some people put their marriage on the line and they're not okay with it and they get the success and they're miserable because they don't know their wife. They don't know their children. So it really is circumstantial, like you said. Yeah, that was really well said. And this was a very great podcast. It was very heavy stuff. And I appreciate anyone that's continued to listen and continue to show support. Like like I say, every episode is different and not every episode is going to be for you. Not every person is for you. And I think that's crucial to understand, especially something like we talked about. Like, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I really appreciate you for inviting me into your home and providing me with a chance to share your story and who you are as a person. And I'm really amazed at how you've turned your life around and continue to turn your life around and be that positive light for people in your community, in your church. And I think that's amazing. And I really do appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for the same, like, this opportunity was amazing, and just to say something awesome about you, because you said so many awesome things about me tonight, um, like, I told you before this podcast, when I saw you at Stop and Shop, when you were going through your stuff, you looked like a lost puppy, and I've also said that, we've all been there, and to see you come out of that, and to have this mentality of, I'm just going to keep pushing and growing no matter where I am, and you're doing amazing now, you're, this podcast, if you stick with this, is really going to blow up. I know it is like nobody else is doing this. Nobody's doing this local podcast in this area. And you you've you're already ahead of the game, and as long as you don't quit, this is this is going to go far. I know it is. I really appreciate that. It's always the kind words that I appreciate the most and the support from you consistently is amazing. So, thank you once again. I do want to say Thank you to all my listeners. Shout out to you guys. You guys are the best. You can check me out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. I'll be posting Alex's Instagram on my post when I post about it. So if you want to get into contact or have any questions about him or his story or even if you want to talk to him about religion, I know he's very, very down for that. So please reach out to him with any questions or I can connect you to him. That's something I'm very open to doing. And if if you have something, an issue or a criticism about the podcast let me know or criticism about alex and what he said let me know and i'll connect it to him we have no issues discussing and debating and talking to people we have no hate in our hearts for other people and i think that's very crucial to reiterate through the podcast and that positivity that motivation and mental health so thank you once again check me out on all the major platforms and keep staying positive and stay tuned for the next episodes as we keep rolling out guys thank you so much bye